Welcome to the Painters Podcast, proudly sponsored by Aussie Painters Network and Painters Training. In our podcast, we're interviewing real people on real jobs, as well as specialists within their areas of business to give you ideas to help you grow your business and make it more profitable. All information within this podcast is of general information, and you should seek independent professional advice about your own specific situation. Having 30 years of painting industry experience from running his own painting business, the editor of the Aussie Painting Contractor magazine, to now mentoring painting business owners and training apprentices, I'd like to introduce your host, Nigel Gorman. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Painters Podcast. I'd like to introduce Glenn from Short Paint. Now, I've known Glenn for six or seven years. I've watched him develop from a business that was struggling in the new housing market to running a thriving painting business, turning over over $2 million in the last 12 months. So, hi, Glenn, and welcome to the Painters Podcast. Hey, mate, how you going? Good, Glenn, yourself? Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not bad for a Wednesday, bro. I know. It's ridiculous, isn't it? It's, it's, um, it's amazing half the week is, is almost gone, mate. So, um, yeah. So what have you been up to? Oh, mate, look, um, it's the same thing, different day. Just I'm in the office today, just taking it easy, just checking up on some things, trying to work on the business as opposed to in the business like usual. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, um, fabulous. But, but, yeah, you know, just trying to, to tidy up some loose ends, uh, you know, obviously with all this, uh, you know, doom and gloom that's going on, um, just trying to figure out a way you know, around, you know, certain potential things that are going to be coming. Like, um, you know, one of, one of the things I am concerned about is, uh, like, I, I've been watching a lot of YouTube clips. You know, I, I'm a big I'm a big YouTuber, right? Yep. And, um, like, you know, Robert Kiyosaki and, and all these guys, you know, um, they're, they're all predicting market crashes and all the rest of it. And it might be now, but in six to, they're saying six to 24 months. Yep. You know what I mean? And, and there's there's guys on YouTube and that where they they've been like posting like the Twitter feed of like uh, I think it's called Michael Berry or Michael Barry or something and he's been yeah. he predicted the 08 financial crash and he's basically showing all these data trends and stuff and almost saying like guys it's coming again you know based on the amount of debt yeah. and um it, you know and so you know I'm a realist you know everything's going up price of everything's going up so I'm like okay so where are we at financially and, and what can we do and not only business-wise but also personally as well um and you know I've, I, to be honest with you, i've listened to so much of this crap in the last three weeks i'm just sick of it <laughs> it's burnt into my brain do you think it's a little bit of hype do you think it's a little bit over um, the top i mean the stuff you're hearing obviously coming out of the states so they're in a different sort of position to what we are here um you know here in australia i think we're a little bit more isolated and probably don't have the same sort of, I mean, expenses, um, don't have the same sort of, you know, stuff going on here in our country as they have, you know, because the difference in population, all of those sorts of things, you know, they're running material shortages. We don't seem to be having, certainly not for painting in the, the obviously mm. the building game, you know, timber's running scarce and those sorts of things, but painting, I haven't heard of anyone, any suppliers running out of paint yet. Um, yet overseas, they seem to be in certain areas. Yeah, look, I, I think, um, you know, I, I'm no economist. I'm, I'm just a painter. It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a painter with a couple of kids. Um, yeah. uh, what I'm worried about is, is uh, 
is, you know, if it, if it does happen, it's going to be, uh, you know, a crash or a depression probably worse than, than and what they're predicting, at least anyway. If it, if it yeah. happens, it's going to be like, you know, great depression levels. And this is like the fear mongering that they're doing, yeah. right? Yep. Um, but the thing is, is, you know, is it really going to be as bad? Probably not. Like, is it going to be like, oh, wait, I, I didn't experience the 08. I was too young. I'm only 35. Yeah, um, no, I went through we were, working for, we were working for builders then, so it didn't really affect us. Um, yep. But um, I, I think it's going to come. I think, in, you know, with the inflation and, and, and cost of living and stuff like that today and, and just the bubbles that have been created, um, you know, look around. Every second trade, he has a, a freaking new car and, and a Hilux. And, a, and everyone's got new shit, essentially. Yeah. Well, they can't um, get the old and, stuff. Everyone's yeah, that's right. Stuff, so you yeah, have to go yeah. with the new stuff. Um, so yeah, I think uh, I think something's coming. I just don't know what's coming. So I'm just I, I'm a little bit more conservative. So I've just you know looked at my figures, looked at my 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 you know budgets and stuff like that, and just yep. started to forecast. You know, like you know what's phase one, what's phase two, if we have to make budgetary cuts, and what can go, what has to stay, and and understanding my. my you would probably call it break even. I'm not. I'm not much of a. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but just understanding where are we at financially and understanding exactly the different things that can the fat. What fat are we? Uh, you know, like when when you do a personal budget, are we going to the movies once a week or are we going to to Hog's Breath twice a week or something? Okay, well that stuff's got to go because I just lost my job. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Um, and you know, I, I was I was I posted something on, on one of the groups I'm a member of uh, for the states, and I was like, "Hey guys, because they're in the states." So I was like, "Yeah, uh, are you guys making any plans for you know what's coming?" And everyone's like, "What what's coming?" You know, yeah. so <laughs> that's what I mean. I was you know I'm wondering whether it's a little bit of hype, you know, yeah. um, to get people to think about maybe you know sort of think start thinking about what ifs. You know, what if, what if something does happen? What if, you know, like you say, you lose your job, you've got to start thinking about those things. I mean, I think that's important anyway, right across the board for business. I think that, um, you know, painters, they don't think about those things. You know, they all they're looking for is the next job, the next dollar, all that sort of stuff that comes in. But I think we're, as painters, you're in a bit of a different position. You know, painters are different in as in an industry. Because the more stuff they build, the more stuff we've got to paint. So, if so you want to work for builders, though, no, 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 repaint the stuff they built today. Oh, yeah. We're repainting in ten years. So yeah. every house that gets built today, in ten years' time, needs to be repainted. Every building, every shopping centre, every all of those sort of things. The more that they turn over, the more work there is for the painters, and that's a big one. I think you know um, we're not like it. Than any other trade, you know, the carpenter goes in, builds the house, he never goes back there again. But the painter goes in, he paints the house, he's back there eight to 10 years. So that's where we've probably got a little bit of an advantage over the other people or the other trades out there in that we've got multiple areas that we can target in regards to um, what sort of work we can generate. The builders, there's more building and construction going on at the moment than, than there has ever been, I believe, you know, certainly in the, in the domestic sector, in the, you know, the housing sector and whatnot. Yeah. As long as that continues, 
The painters aren't in for six months from the house building. So we're six months, the guys who are working in that sector have six months worth of work if everything falls over tomorrow, you know, because they want to get the houses finished. So I can see there's a, a bit of a leeway there, certainly for the painters in comparison to the, the concreters. Concreters lay the slab, they're gone, never back again. They've got to find another house to pull. Well, I think I think you're right in some respect. Um, but I, I do think painting is if you if you if you take out the the project home builders or the big the big four or five yeah. or and what have you, um, you know, there there is still even in Queensland, there's a housing shortage, right? So where are they going to come from? But yep. the the thing is, is in today's world with the rising cost of materials can can you like i know if i was working for for bloody metricon or whatever they're called if with the stuff that's been in the news and i had a, a crew of five guys three guys or, or ten guys i would literally be like nah i'm not working for these guys anymore because how do i know i'm going to get paid like you know just like the dev cons and all the rest of it the the pivotals yeah. you know like what's happened like you know Everyone's writing about the, you know, the pivotal guy and all the rest of it. But what about the the, the five or six gangs of painters that's done his work for the last six years doing five jobs a week or whatever? Yep. Now, where do they go? Like, you know, oh, like... 100%. Look, I know guys that, that, I suppose, you know, I speak to a lot of painters. So I know I've spoken to quite a few that actually work for Metricon. So a lot of those guys, um, there's two things that they're doing with them. So some have just said, well, I'm out of there, and they've walked. Others have gone in and said, okay, if you want me staying for you, I want weekly, weekly progress claims, and others have gone on to fortnightly. So there's none of this 30-day stuff anymore. I don't know anyone that's working for them that actually is pushing out 30-plus days. They're all, so, all chasing cash flow. <laughs> so what, what you're saying there is fantastic for the subby. Right, yeah. because let's face it, they're subbies. They're not principal contractors. They're subbies. That's right. Yep. Okay, it's fantastic for the subbie, but the problem is, what about the business owner of Metricon, the management staff and the oh. management side? They're bleeding cash because every, it's, you think the painters are the only ones that are saying, hey, I want my freaking payments every week. No, no, no. Every no. contract from the plumbers to yep. this to that. Oh, and so all doing it. The entire building industry is built off the back of spamming out contractors' payments for 30, 60, 90 days. That yep. they use us as as non-secure. It is non-secured credit. It's, it, it's a non-secured loan. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's not even a bloody contract. And yeah. so, so they've been able, like take uh, take this for instance. This is my personal opinion, by the way. Um, it's important that I probably say that. Um, but, say yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. You know, this is my personal thing mm -hmm. is that um, the they've created a business over the last 30 or 40 years or however long they've been going. They've, you know, these builders in general have spanned all of the boom over the last I don't know, 15, 20 years. Now that the tables are turning, the, the contractors or the subbies were never, like, never had, like any leverage at all. Oh, none. Now the subbies have leverage on the builders and the builders are losing, they've lost their margins. And so 
yeah, it's just it's gonna it's gonna get it's gonna be bloody murder. It's gonna be blood in the streets as far oh, as look, yeah, I wouldn't want to be in their position. Their margins are too tight, the the prices of everything are being jacked up. The you know, you just keep add on, add on, add on. Even and of course, you know, they've quoted these jobs 12 months ago or even six months ago. Um, on fixed price, as as we've all heard all over the news, it's everywhere you go, everyone's struggling. You know, um, it doesn't matter what size builder you are or anything like that. If you're working in that market, in that new housing market, you're going to struggle. We know with the rates, you know, I mean, actually, it was interesting. I've, I've in the last month, done a fair bit of travelling all over Queensland, training apprentices and whatnot, and talking to the guys in some of the regional areas, they're getting $60, $70 a square metre floor area. And you talk to the yeah. guys, and you're talking to the guys here locally, they're, you know, they're lucky to be getting 30, 35. Yeah. You know, so and you're looking at the guys in the, the regions that have all the lower costs and things like that are actually doing better. Their builders are have allowed for those sorts of figures. So there are allowances that the painters aren't as concerned in the regional areas about what's happening in compared to you know metropolitan. See, ju just there, right? So it's a false economy. It, it, like what you just said then, 30 to 35 bucks a square metre yeah. in, in, the, in the city areas. Right? I spoke to a guy that worked for uh, one of the, the majors and it was only yesterday. Uh, and that was at Newport down in, in Brisbane, right? Newport, yep. Scarborough. Yep. And he was getting 34 a metre and there was dots bloody everywhere. Three rounds yep. of dots, man. Okay. Yep. However... Seven year ago, if you were to go and work on EBA sites in the city, you're getting between 40 and 50 bucks an hour plus your allowances or whatever it was, right? Yeah. The general the general rate for a painter was between 27 and 30 bucks an hour. And that was on ABN. So whether you're paying super or whatnot, that's that's a different story. Okay. Yeah. However, today, oh, you you've gone from 27 a meter down to 34 a meter. You think that you're winning. But between then and now, paint costs has increased over 15%. We've had 7.5% uh, material cost increases just in the last 12 months from multiple suppliers. And a lot of these builders now have moved to a Dulux spec, and we all know how much Dulux costs. You know, it's, it's not one of the cheapest products on the market. Yep. So they're using the most expensive paint to appease their customers, which to get as many sales in the door as they can. But the contractor is now paying an inflated hourly rate of between $30 and $40 or $45 an hour in some cases just to get a brush hand, yeah. which yeah. is – so, yes, you've, yeah, it's fantastic that you're getting 34 a metre. It would have been great getting 34 a metre seven years ago. You are getting an inflated rate now, but the, the, unit, the economics of scale, you're still just as poor as you were seven years ago. Look, I think it comes down to, to how the painters work it. You know, I mean, back when, back in 20, say, around 2010, so say 2008 to 2011, in that sort of thing, I was working for builders getting 35 a square metre floor area. You know, and guys today are struggling getting that, like you said. You know, I mean, everything has doubled since then. In the last 12 years, you know, I'm, you should hear, you know, with me training apprentices, hear the apprentices whinging, even this morning I had one saying, you know, I put half a tank of fuel in my car, I've come down to, to do some stuff or even just driving to work and back, that half a tank of fuel goes in a day. I'm spending $30, $40 now a day in fuel, whereas 10 years ago, as we know, they'd be spending 10 bucks a day. You know, so just all of those costs are just going up and up and up.
It's just ridiculous. You know? So you the, know the what question it's like. is, well, the question is, is how, how does, how does, you know, Jimmy Jones that's got a station wagon and two painters that's, that's painting bloody, you know, new construction jobs or even doing the odd repaint or insurance work here and there, when his staff come to him and say, hey, I need more money for fuel, that's not, that's not coming off the job. That's coming out of whatever profitability is on the job. Now, the staff are essentially making more than what he is. That's it. Yeah, and the bosses, the majority of bosses out there now are actually buying themselves a job. They would be better off, the smaller guys would be better off going out and um, going out and working on wages. That, that at the end of the day, they've got less stress and would put more money in their pocket a lot of the time. You know, they're working weekends doing quotes, they're working after hours, they're doing all of that sort of stuff, you know. Um, and they don't, and the reason that that's happening is, I believe, is because they don't understand their business. They haven't actually looked into their business, their business costs, what things cost. You know, we did a rough budget this morning with one of the apprentices. He's a final year apprentice. Okay, so he's he's just about finished. So we sat down. I got him to do a quote on on our training room here and whatnot. You know, he was half the price of what it should be. Then we sat down and went through and actually worked out for him to start up in his own business. He's going to need twenty two dollars an hour just startup costs as his outgoings before he even gets a job working on a forty hour week. Business owners so, don't know that stuff. The majority. So what you're describing here is a phenomenon that only seems to happen in the painting industry. It doesn't. Ha it, well, it does happen with concreters and landscapers, but not as prevalently. Like even landscapers, technically, most of them buy into a gym's franchise and they spend twenty, thirty thousand dollars to buy into it. Exactly. So they're somewhat they're somewhat educated to begin with, right? Um, but this is a phenomenon that seems to happen with painters. They transition from hourly rate painter because they, they think that they can make more money because they're on 30 or whatever the rate is, then they go, oh, I can just do what you do. So now I'm going to become the boss and steal your relationship with the supervisor or the builder or the homeowner or the neighbor or whoever it is. Yep. And then I'm going to do that myself, but there's, there's no business acumen to it. And then their whole strategy is all my work is word of mouth and I'm going to charge less than the guy beside me. But the yep. paint, but but the, when a and and then everyone complains about the industry that they can't get painters for a certain rate or they're paying like the award rate for a painter on fair work is like twenty eight dollars an hour. Yep. So, so if if the award rate and you know uh, thankfully our new prime minister just upped that by five percent, which is fantastic for for those individuals. But the award rate is only twenty seven twenty eight dollars an hour, which is only sixty seventy thousand dollars a year for a painting for a painter. That's yeah. That's, yep. that's the reality. So how is it that a receptionist can earn $25 an hour and their rate hasn't changed in God forbid how many years, but a painter can go from $27 an hour to $40 an hour seemingly within the space of a year? Neat. It's because I can tell you what, I know why. It's because every person and all of you that are watching are part of the problem. When you go on to Seek, Gumtree and all those other places, you look at how much someone like me or somebody else is posting for how much it costs. You know, we will pay $35 an hour salary compensation. Then you get on there and you go, I'm going to pay $37 an hour because I want all the people to call me because I need painters. And then yeah. incrementally, each of those ads, day after day, week after week, is inflating 
the cost. Yep. And and then when my staff member that's beside me sitting there at Smoko gets on his phone because he doesn't like the way that I just upped him about his gapping because it's crap, gets on his bloody phone, right? You got me on a rant now, man. Gets on his bloody phone. He goes, oh, seek. Oh, $40 an hour. Oh, man, I'm worth more money, man. Look, I can get $40 an hour. You know what you do? You tell him to piss off. Go get it. And then he'll come crawling back because he won't last a day with somebody else because he's not worth $40 an hour. Yeah. But the problem is that they're grabbing them at, four, at, at what they can get them at because they, they've got they've overloaded their work and they've got so much work that they're not, like you said, forecasting, thinking ahead, looking ahead at the future, not thinking, um, you know, pricing structure, all of those sorts of things. And this is and the reverse happens when you're saying about what's happening on Seek. Then you'll go for for the consumer, and all of a sudden you'll see ads like you say on Facebook or ads on the internet or things like that. Painting from three hundred dollars a room because they want to get the people in the door. They don't tell you that they're only painting the walls at three hundred bucks, and that there's minimum of three rooms and all of that sort of stuff. But they so the prices go down because they want more work, but their labour costs and all other costs are going up, and it just doesn't add up at the end of the day. If if your labour costs and everything are going up, then your costings for your actual quoting. And the job prices should be going up accordingly, but it doesn't seem to work that way in painting. With the sparkies and plumbers, no. it does. Well, when, when a sparky works for somebody, he knows that he gets $30, $40 an hour, yeah. right? And he's provided with a truck, a phone, and he has to be competent enough to wire up something and be independent. Like, yeah. there's your car, there's your tools, like, see you later, go. That you got five jobs today. Yeah. And that's the level of autonomy that that industry requires. And yes, they charge out at $110 an hour. Rightfully so. They have all these overheads and costs. But when another elect- when that electrician goes, you know what, I'm going to buy myself a $12,000 high ace that's, that's been driven 600,000 kilometres and start my own business with some Milwaukee tools, yep. then he knows that he has to charge $110 an hour or minimum of, but and so it maintains that rate system within that industry period, no different to what I'm saying with Seek. It's not going up, exactly. it's not going down. But what you're suggesting is these people that work hourly rate, for, for people like me and, and others, is that when they're on hourly rate, they want more money. But then when they work for themselves, they charge less. Less. Exactly. It, 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 doesn't, it, it, it doesn't add up. No. And... I honestly think that a lot of a lot of business owners need to start standing firm and start saying, if you think you're worth more and you think the gra- the grass is greener, like buddy over at some other company, then don't don't give me idle threats. Pack up your stuff. There's the door. Off you go. Yep. And if that means that you're down a guy, you're down two guys. Well, you know what. He wasn't worth keeping anyway, you know, and and this notion of of, because ultimately you're just going to lose money at the end of the day anyway, because you're going to pay him from 40 from 35 to 40. He's going to know that he's got it over you. And without me, he's screwed. So that's it. Tell him you're not. Tell him you're not. Get him out the door. Well, let let him join the labor market. Mm. 
he, he comes, then that, that individual comes to someone like myself or maybe another experienced business owner and, start and says, hey, I'm worth $40 an hour. Like, what, what, what are you bringing to the table? You're bringing some curtains for drop sheets and some 100-year-old bloody feather duster. Yep. Like you got no, you know, they want they want they want over nearly a hundred grand a year, right? If a chippy, remember like five years ago, chippy, if he works on the tools standing up frames, a competent chippy is worth fifty bucks an hour on an ABN or whatever, right? And he's got a trailer yeah. tools, cordless tools, so that's a hundred grand a year. You don't get me started on ABN hourly rates. Oh, no. We'll get okay. going. That's all right. All right. You'll get me going on that. Yeah, I'm, I'm a firm believer in that. Well. It's sham so, contract. Yeah, exactly. But that, that's how they do it. I know that's how they do it. Okay. We know that. It's not um, right, but it's what happens. So, so anywhere between 50, you know, now it's probably more like 60 bucks now, but you can't yep. tell me that the guys standing frames for Metricon and doing steel frames and, and all the rest of it are paying their guys more than $60, $70 an hour to work for them in a gang standing frames and doing suffetes and all the rest of it. No it, idea, but yeah. Uh, but but anyway, so let's just say 50, 60 bucks an hour, that's what they're paying. Those yeah. individuals have a trailer, a bloody four-wheel drive SR5 or something along yeah. 20, 30 grand's worth of tools, competent contractor, standing up frames all day in the sun. Man, those people work in the rain. We don't yeah. even work in the rain. We pussy no. out and go home. Yeah. Now, how can you as a painter expect to be on hourly rate, turn up with some curtains for drop sheets and like a, a station wagon or a patchback, yep. not even have 1% of your yearly income invested into tools? You don't even own a bloody Graco cordless, which is worth $1,100. Yep. Oh, no, I can't afford that. I've got to use the bosses. Yep. Like, and, and that's... If, if we are to come out of this as an industry with better or worse, the, the employers need to start getting tougher with their expectations and start setting the standard higher and saying, no, I'm not paying for that. Yeah, but that's the, that's the problem. It, it, it comes back to the education of the employer and the employers haven't been educated. You know, Glenn, you know, when you came out and, and you, you started your business, you started, you know, that sort of stuff going way back. No one taught you, no one taught me how to business. You know, I was taught how to paint, but that was what I was taught, how to actually do the job, how to put paint onto walls, how to, you know, the more paint that you, or the more, you know, substrates that you, you got paint onto, the more money the boss got paid. Mm -hmm. But we never got taught the understanding of what the actual costs are to start a business. You know how you work those things out. And they were the though. Most well, of they, these people were because they'd done a, a four-hour course for yeah. a, 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 a business management management course. course. Yeah. They did. They to did. be honest, the business management course is rubbish. I, it, I doesn't agree with you. it doesn't tell you anything about how to run a business. You know, it tells you how to go and read legislation, how to go and you know find this and find that, and ticks a box to get your license if you're in certain states you know in in some states you you go to victoria tasmania act northern territory there's no licensing so anybody at all can just go chuck some tools in their station wagon and off they go call themselves a painter you know, so are you are you suggesting that the licensing category 
to become a business owner, to become a contractor within the painting industry is no different to pulling something out of the cereal box. Pretty much. Because that's what—that's exactly the, the reality. Because these I people, mean, yes, don't get me wrong. If you've done, I mean, if you've done your trade, things like that, yes, yes. From a business perspective, I'm saying, yeah, we're all taught how to apply codings. We're all mm-hmm. taught that. But we're not taught how to business. We're not taught how to look for pitfalls. We're not taught how to, to work out your break-even rates, to work out what things actually cost in running a business. And the apprentices five, shouldn't be told, taught that, though. They're, they're, they're being taught to apply paint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but the apprentices, once that's what I'm saying, once they've completed their apprenticeship, there are some marketing courses and business courses that are part of the apprenticeship, but they should be taught afterwards. There should be some sort of... You know, there's business degrees. If you go to university and you're going to start something, you go and do a business degree. You know, it's a four, three or four or two year, whatever that is, I don't know. You go and do a business degree. Whereas in trades, our business degree is hard knocks. We're actually, <laughs> you know, you, you uh, stuff it up, you lose uh, 10 grand, we'll learn from it and don't make that same mistake. And that's, we've all been there. We've, you know, I know you've been there, I've been there. You know, um, and but that's that's what it is. We're not taught how to run a business, and those that that haven't got themselves into a financial position where they can actually survive a ten thousand dollar knock, end up being spat out the back end, and and you're losing the opportunities, and they end up going and working again for someone, or they just don't pay their bills, and then they don't pay their license, and then off they go, and they start contracting. You know, if, if without in Queensland anyway, without QBCC licensing, and then they're the guys that you're dealing against and you're quoting against, and all they're doing is working cheaper and cheaper and cheaper because they need the work and they don't understand that it reaches a point where you're actually working for nothing. You know, I, I actually, about 12, oh, 12, 12 to 18 months ago, I did some work with a, with, with a painter. Running a business, yeah. handful of guys, had been running the business for about 10 years, had no idea anything about business. He came and saw me. He was still swinging a brush. Came and saw me and, and said, look, I can't work out why I'm not getting ahead. I see these other business owners getting ahead, or, you know, so on and so forth. We actually sat down. I, I dragged him in and said, okay, let's sit down with your financials and let's go through and just work it out. It actually worked out that he was making $1 per man because he was what he was charging. He was making $1 per person per hour. So if they stuffed one thing up, he had to go and work on a Saturday to make up for the stuff up. They weren't paid to work the Saturday. He was working the Saturday because he couldn't afford yeah. to pay them because it's – but you, 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 what you would think is someone with five staff and all the other commitments and everything else was making $5 an hour from five staff and couldn't work out why, why he wasn't getting ahead, why his staff were driving flash cars and he wasn't. You know, it's, and, and, but no one, unless someone sits down and talks to them, they're not educated for that. And we're not taught that as traders. No, I agree. Um, we're not taught, taught that as traders. And, and the majority of time, um, uh, the industry won't, won't talk and they won't, um, you know, if you go to the paint shop or you go, to somebody and you go, hey mate, how you going? How much work you got? Oh, oh flat out, man. Busy, 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 busy. Oh, flat out, man. Yeah, yeah. Make it easy, money. Yeah. It, it, it's it. 
it's all this egotistical false economy. Yeah. It, it, it's no different to, to when you go to the Westfield and some bird is getting around looking like Kim Kardashian, but she hasn't got a Razu in her pocket, but she acts like she or, or he, he or she, it's a gender neutral yeah. uh, society now. He or she is acting like, you know, like those she real estate. She's stunning, mate. She's stunning. Yeah, that's right. Um, like a real estate agent. They're always getting around dressed like they're making a million dollars, but they're not even mm. making 40 grand a year. You know what yeah. I mean? Exactly. Um, and 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 it's this it's this society of absolute fraudulent just just literally just it's not even fake it till you make it i got no problem fake it till you make it but they're just pissing in everyone's pocket continually and the reality is is those individuals are broken broke and when they go home at night they have to drink or smoke themselves to alleviate the pressure valve of the situation that they're in. They don't do their taxes because they stick their head in the sand because they know that they haven't done their taxes in three years and that they've got a bill coming. So it's better that they don't do them. Yep. But when you talk to them at the, at the shop, oh, so busy, man, so busy. Oh, I can't put on anyone because I just can't find anyone. How many hours a week do you do you spend trying to find someone decent? Well, the you best don't. thing, when they used to say that, I'd, you know, I'd say, oh, you're doing that well. So where did you go for your four weeks holidays this year? No, oh, too no busy. time, man. Too busy. Didn't have time. Had to keep working. Didn't have time for holidays. Well, hang on. You know, you perfect example. Talk about Jim. <laughs> you know, he would take six to eight weeks holidays every year without fail. You know, and he was always busy. Well, there's a difference between being okay. So there's a difference between being busy and like actively chasing down. A goal like that's like me turning up and going to paint this place. Now, granted, I haven't picked up a paintbrush in, in a good three, four years minimum. I can't, you yeah. know, you know, and so I'm an office worker now, as far as I'm concerned. Now, could can I paint? Yeah, if I went back on the tours, I'd need a day off after I I'd done the job because I'm not used to it. But granted, yeah. you can't you can't come in my shoes, come here at quarter to five and finish it at, at seven o'clock because you don't have the mental bandwidth to go for 12, 15 hours a day. Yep. Um, so it, it's different strokes for different folks. Um, you know, a painter can't go and stand bloody stick frames all day and work in 40 degree sun. Yeah. You know, it's different strokes, different folks. But the thing is, is if I turn up here and I lay some drop sheets down and a little bit here and a bit here and a bit here and, oh, man, I'm being super busy, man. I've, got, I've been here 15 hours. Yeah, well, what have you painted? Oh, no, no, no. It's, it's getting there. But eventually what ends up happening is it never gets done. It's just busy, 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 busy with no direction. Yep. It's like, it's literally like playing a game. You like rugby league. It's like playing a game of rugby league and all you're doing is tackling your guts out. And then when you do get the ball, it's like, oh, here's, give it back to the opposition. Let them score a try. I'm not here to score tries. I'm just here to tackle. Yeah. The try. So there's got to be a goal. Like even in sports, there's a goal to the reason why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. And um, unfortunately, as business owners, as as contractors, we're not always privy to why we're doing what we're doing. I'm very clear on why I'm doing what I'm doing. I've got a family to feed. That's why I do what I do, because I have a family to feed. But 
somebody else might have 20 staff because they love the fact of having 20 staff or love the fact of having 10, you know, 10 trucks on the road or whatever. Yeah. It's, it, you have to understand why you're doing what you're doing and not everybody does. Like, like you, for instance, you, in, you not only have to, you know, provide for your family, but you genuinely enjoy and get satisfaction from training and mentoring and teaching others. Yep. Yep. And so there's painters out there that genuinely enjoy what they're doing. And it's like, well, if I can earn, you know, 70 to hundred grand a year, I come to work and I do a nice job. That's enough for me. Oh, it seems like that. Exactly. But don't complain about the price of fuel. No. You're getting what you wanted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so it's um i think that everybody in today's world needs to take a look at exactly what they want and go after it there's not there's yeah. no harm in going after what you want oh exactly but you need to set those goals anyway you know you don't if, if you haven't got a goal set for where you want to be what you want to achieve you know whether it be this month next month this year next year you know yeah yeah you're in that drudge otherwise. Got to go to work just to pay the bills. Got to go to work just to survive. Got to go to work. And that's, I mean, we all go to work to do that. But the majority of, of painters, I think, go to work to survive because they don't know what else to do. They've done that. They're in that. They're stuck in that. They're stuck in that rut. Well, shit, what am I going to do? I can't, I can't just give up the tools. I can't just shut down my business and go work to someone. You know, I like the flexibility of working for myself, but they don't realise they're working 15, 16 hours a day. There is no flexibility because they need to, to be on the tools to actually pay the bills. Not, you know, not, I mean, I know, you know, and, and I'll use you an example if, or actually I'll use Jim Baker as an example. Okay, I'll yeah. use Jim as an example. We all know Jim. Okay, uh, he worked when he wanted to work, holidayed when he wanted to holiday, you know, always came back, managed to find work to keep all these guys going, never had a problem. You know, if you, and yourself, if you decide, oh, bugger it, I'm going to go take a couple of weeks off, you're setting systems into place within your business that you can say, okay, I can do that, so-and-so can look after this, he can look after that, she can look after that, and the system, that the that you can take a step out for a period of time and come back and so long as those systems are followed, it should just, the console should all turn. You know? Yeah, well, what, what, like, what, it, it really depends on, like, if, like, I remember when I was doing new construction and I was on the tools and I had two or three guys working with me or, you know, whatever, gang of two, gang of three, gang of four, it doesn't matter the, the number. Yeah. The number's arbitrary. You get into a pattern where it's like got to be out by Thursday because sparkies are coming Friday or, or fit offs on Friday. I got to be out by this day. Oh, you know, touch ups, you know, they dotted it out on Friday. I can't get there Friday, man. I got to finish this job. Well, I'll come Saturday, Sunday and I'll do, right. and I get there on Saturday and it's like dot city, man. It's like, Jesus yeah. Christ. Yep. Sorry, babe. I can't, I can't come to the beach today because I thought I'd be out here in four hours and, I'm going to be here tomorrow as well. Yep. Is what it is. Yeah, and if I don't do this, I don't miss it at all. Uh, you know, sometimes I miss the physical work. I do. Yeah. Like, yeah. I miss, I, I miss getting 
I don't miss it in winter because it's freaking freezing cold. cold. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I miss the the physical activity. Now it's it's all yeah. mental, and yeah. it's um like I'm I'm getting exactly what I wanted. I chose this path. Um, yeah. This is the path I chose. So there's there's, there's no problem in that. But um, you know, this being a business owner, you have to choose. What do you want to do? Do you want to, you know, be off the tools and take all of the wins and the failures and all the punches in the mouth, take them as one, or you stay on the tools but don't be bitter about it and complain about it every day. How you got robbed and screwed over because you tried to be a businessman. Um, it's an apprenticeship. It's the same. 100%. 100%. You know, uh, the, the amount of, you know, like when, when you, you, go, you see the apprentices every day, like we don't have apprentices. We, we, yeah. don't, we don't have no, that. No. Yeah. Um, and so you would see it every day, but I can only remember how incompetent these young people are. Like we got a receptionist. Uh, I'm not saying she's incompetent, but, you know, the, these telephones, man, you know, it's like, you know, Every every day, man, it's telephone, and it's like the apprentices are like that. Every every single boss complains about how much time they spend on their phones. It's well, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's well, how it is. Well, what I so what I did was, I said to her, "The reality is, is you're an adult, right? You're twenty, twenty-one. Yeah, okay. Do you want to be treated like an adult, or do you want to be treated like a child?" You want to be true like a dog. Okay, great. Now, part of your role is that this thing is be to be used for per, uh, for personal matters. When you need to take a personal matter, go outside, deal with your personal matter like an adult, and then come back. If it's so urgent, deal with it. No problem. I'm not negating that. Yeah. However, if I walk in the door and I see you playing around with this bloody thing, then that means that you're doing it and it's not a personal matter. Yep. Because all personal matters get handled out on the street or out, out the door. If you're on the job site, you got a personal matter, mate. Don't talk to the person whilst I can hear you. Go outside and deal with your personal matter. Yep. That's what adults do, right? Now, like, like all young people, phone came back. Like you're supposed to be answering the phones and all that. The phone comes back. And I said, strike one. After three strikes, it goes in the cabinet and it goes in at six at, at 8 a.m. when you turn up and it comes out at, at lunchtime and it comes out at uh, end of day. That's fair. Mm-hmm. But if you can be an adult, you have the ability to be disciplined because adults, you know, when I know this until I had kids, right? But you know how you hear a lot of people say, I'm going to put my kid in karate to teach him discipline. Discipline, yep. But, like, why do we want to teach them discipline? We want to teach them discipline so they do as they're told, they learn resilience and all the rest of it. But this is discipline. Putting that away, attending to work, and then dealing with your shit. And it's a simple equation. Either have it or don't have it. But as as an employer... um, well, this is me personally, right? This is, this is the way I see it anyway. Um, you have your standards. You know, like like if I went into your household, right, let's just say, you know how they do that wife swap? Yeah, yeah. I think that's the ultimate show about standards. 
<laughs> I, I, I was watching it the other night um, and I think it's the ultimate show about standards because like this woman comes out of bloody one household and it's, you know, it comes into another one. And so basically what you're seeing is the standards of, of how they live and how they function and all the rest of it is completely different. Yep. Um, and so what I took from that is as an employer, when people come into your business, the standards that you allow, like, you know, you don't, you know, if you're going to come here, like you don't go to the toilet five times a day, like you shit before you turn up. Like, I don't want you in the portal if 10 times a day, you know, cause I know you're playing with your phone. Right. So the standards that you have, if you're going to smoke cigarettes on the job site, what's your team going to do? They're going to follow the leader. Probably. Exactly. Now, if, if you punch holes in the walls, when you get angry and argue with your wife, What's your son going to do when he grows up? Hundred oh, percent. Follow, follow the leader. If you, if 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 you like to smoke drugs, and then you just leave the the mix and that on the table when you get home, and it's a common thing, what's likely going to happen when your children grow older? Yeah, yeah drugs they, become they the norm. The norm. Yeah, exactly. Cigarettes, alcohol, all of these things. All of drugs. Yep. And yeah, you know, we. And I just see the standard. So. The way I look at it is if these are the standards, it's clearly defined, meet them, don't meet them. If you choose not to meet them, that's fine. But there's the door because this is how it rolls in this household. Yep. And it'd be like if I come and live with you. You can't piss in the corner, man. You've got a toilet. Yeah, that's it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> depends. Um, depends on how much you've had to drink the night before. <laughs> oh, man. You don't know. <laughs> Oh, yeah. do, do you find that though with apprentices that like that they have a hard time bridging those standards? Oh, look, yeah, apprentices. I mean, talking to employers, the majority of the employers have put the the apprentices on your phone stays in the lunchbox. Yeah, it that's to. it. It has to. They don't, you know, they they just can't help but have that. You know, they get give it a chance given a warning, so on and so forth. But no, phone's gone away because they're always just, you know, it's just continually going ding, 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 ding. You know, whether it's their friends thing or groups or whatever the hell they're on, um, they're always getting message after message after message, you know. And you're going to find that when your kids get a little bit older. You know, I know what it's like with yeah. my kids. You know, I, I have the, the regular banging man against a brick wall with them um, over phones at home. You know, and the amount of time, screen time, and all of those sorts of things, and that, I think that that's every parent has that type of thing. But apprentices, yeah, when they're out of that, they're still in that. It's sort of difficult because they're still sort of half in that schooling mentality that they they're still at school because they're apprentices, so they're learning, they're, they're that sort of thing. So they don't necessarily see it as being a full on career. Like, you know, like we do once you're, you're qualified and looking at it that way. They're just looking at it to buy time until they reach a point. You know, that's, okay. that's probably the, one of the bigger ones. I went to, uh, went to Bunnings yesterday. Yep. And I went through the self-serve. You know, when you go through the self-serve, yeah. there's always one bird there or one bloke there and they're watching over everything. Yep. Now, 
what I understand is the whole reason why they do what they do is because they're supposed to overview everything and then also be like a, I don't know, a concierge where they greet the, the customers, right? Yeah. So this bird was literally just like, just this, you know? And she's like, you know, I, there's no one there, just me. And, and she's like, oh, hey, sir, how are you going today? I'm like, I looked at her and I said, oh, Looks like old-fashioned customer service is, is out the window, is it? Like, I understand it's Bunnings, but, you know, yep. you don't even have the capacity to freaking greet me anymore as a customer. It's just, oh, hey, sir, how are you going? Like a freaking zombie. Like, to me, if I was her manager, I would fire her on the spot and make an example of her. And I'd say to my staff, any of you people want to do the same? There's the door. Yep, exactly. But... The problem today is where am I get like and what you what you just mentioned then, um, well the way I interpret it at least anyway is um they're still young they're impressionable they're still coming from school and all the rest of it right yep who cares you signed the government paperwork you're bloody signed up bro. Uh, if I was to, at the end of the day, it's I, a job. They're getting paid right. to be there. It is a job, and and mm-hmm. they have certain responsibilities as part of that, as being an apprentice or an employee. Um, right across the board, they have things that they have to do, whether they like it or not. There's aspects of everyone's job that they don't like. You know, there's yeah. aspects of my job I don't like. You're the same. You know, everyone's the same. But we know we have to do that to get that end outcome. You know, it mightn't be the stuff we like, but we still do it. But there's other aspects of the job that we love, and that's what we, you know, that's why we do it. Yeah, look, I think, um, I think at the end of the day, um, you know, like, I think just, I just think the world's just, like, I'm only 35, man. I was born in the wrong era. I should have been born in the 30s, in all honesty, because the way I kind of see the world is just very black and white. And... Today, it's just, it's such a grey world of all this change and, and worrying about people's feelings and all the rest of it. And it's just like, this is mental, man. Like, you know, just, it, it's, it, I don't, you know, these these things that are just, um, you know, problems are just, they're, they're very logical, simply solved problems. You, you spoke about, you spoke about your kids, you know what I mean? Yeah. Literally, I pay for the phone. Either do as you're told or I'll frisbee it out the window and you'll lose it entirely. Yep. Simple. Yep. Um, yeah, well, it gets taken off them. It gets they, yeah, yeah. It, they lose it, ground it, you know, the words. All yeah. that happens. Internet, if they don't, you know, the internet gets turned off, that's it. You know, they, they lose, you know, certain game privileges and things like that. Bang, it's all gone. And that's the, that's the interesting part. Because they, you know, I mean, like all kids, they try and lord it over you and they try to, oh, I just need to get this game finished or just doing this or just doing that. And I look, I, I can see ways that we probably did similar sorts of things as kids to our parents, you know, yeah. um, tried that manipulation like all kids do. Um, you know, you play one off against the other, all of that, you know. I mean, that sort of stuff hasn't changed. The only thing that's really changed is the technology and the the, the availability of um of their friends and things like that, you know, where it's I everywhere. Live, I'm on, you know, I'm on acreage and, and I'm not close 
access. I've got no public transport, no anything like that for my kids to get anywhere. Or, or so it's either us drive them or get someone to pick them up or, or whatever it might be. You know, whereas back when, where I grew up, or my best mate lived across the road, you know, I had other kids around the block and we all, you know, we're on our bikes all the time. Whereas today's society, we don't tend to let our kids roam as much as what we do, you know, what we did in the past. Yeah. In the past. You know, because we're all more educated on on all the garbage that goes on these days. But, um, and it was all going on then, just there wasn't the, the publicity and everything else anyway of what there is today. But everything, you know, I mean, everything is so trackable these days. Everything is is followed by, by everyone. You know, I mean, I know my kids, I've, I can tell you right now exactly where my kids are. All I have to do is look at my phone. Because they'll have their phones on them, and it's, it it tells me where it's they trackable. are. It's trackable, yeah. exactly. You know, and and I know so many people. You know, particularly with teenagers, you know, um, and young teenagers that that are set up for those sorts of things. Because you just don't know where the heck they they're getting up to these days and what they're doing. You know. Also, you want to know where they are. You know, which I mean, our parents back in the day. So long as you were home before it got dark, it didn't matter. But don't don't you think that that the like that not only is the trust but like so when you uh, the way I look at it and look you know I'm only a young father like you know yep. my 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 eldest is three so I've got a yep. lot of learning to go right with, yep. so with all the the age you know parents and that I, I, I with with respect. I've still got a lot to learn. Yeah. And, oh, we all do. Don't worry. Uh, but, it's like business, mate. We've all got a lot to learn, you know? The, the thing is, is like, it's like, uh, my old man used to say to me, like, okay, so uh, if you go out and get your head smacked in tonight, um, well, uh, hopefully you know how to handle yourself. And if you don't, well, you'll soon learn. Um, yeah. Let's just hope that you come home and you're not, you're not hurt too bad. Or, or, or so... The life lessons that that I was taught growing up, my parents or my father had to, uh, I guess, hope that that was enough to uh, carry me through my experiences. Now, today, from what I can gather is, is that it's like, they don't get the like it's like not enough with all the daycare and the games and the this and the that there's not enough like teaching and educating of life and then going okay so now you've got these available skills now i'm gonna like let you go on the leash and like let's just hope that you don't get run over too bad and then you can come back and i can patch you up a bit yeah. um and, and you know i i, I don't because it's all cotton wool and all the rest of it. Like the other week, uh, my daughter went into this, um, uh, what do you call it? Like a change room at Ikea. And um, she went to play or interact with the other kid or something. And the other kid pushed her. And I said, there you go, honey, push him back. Right between the eyes. You know how to hit. And so <laughs> but the thing is, is the other parent was right there. Oh, and yeah. the, way that, the way that that parent looked at me was like I was barbaric and but the thing is is that as far as I'm concerned that's how children learn they have to determine who is in control and who's not in control who's going to be the weakling who's going to be the the alpha and all the rest of it and yep. it, 
Now, well, is, all that is stuff that... I think happens in school. All of that stuff definitely happens in school as you get a bit older, as they, you know, start getting into those areas and things like that. Um, and then the next level is sport. You know, so getting getting kids interacting in sports, that's that's another one that I that's and once again, this is just my personal thoughts, but I think that sports, whether it be contact sports or non-contact sports, I think having having a coach, having other people from outside the inner circle of your, your family and things like that, interacting with the kids and giving them that opportunity to to be yelled at by someone else, to be, mm. you know, um, criticised, but also at the same time to be praised, you know, to, yes. to, to yeah. go both ways. So I think that that's, you know, as far as for, for parents, yeah, we try and do all that we all try and do the best we can, but then, you know, you've still got to look at the, the other side of it with um, you need outside interaction. You know, it's like the, the old saying, it takes more than... You know, it takes a village, uh, to, bring a village up to raise a kid. Yeah, yeah, it takes a village to yeah. raise a kid, and I think that that's probably left a lot of our society. You know, I mean, I know, you know, uh, my neighbours. Most people probably don't know their neighbours. I know, you know, people don't talk to each other these days and things like that. You know, I probably speak to my neighbours every yeah because they're looking at those things exactly. You know, I speak to my neighbours most weekends. You know, they'll. You know, and I'm on acreage and to sort of go past, hi, how's it going? What are you up to sort of thing? Um, you know, and those sorts of things where most people in society these days don't do that. Most people wouldn't know their neighbour next door to them. Most people, they move in, they live in their own insular little world and wouldn't know what anybody else is doing outside that world. You know, and I think... A lot of this stuff, you know, that we're talking about now, we're going into family stuff and things like that, you can relate back to business. You Absolutely. Know, in, like you said before about the painter, you go in, you talk, you go into the paint shop and you talk to the painter and how you're going, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, and if you, you tell him that you're charging $70 an hour, he's going to charge 65 because he wants your work. Whereas you look at it on the other side with the plumbers and the sparkies and things like that, they seem to, from my understanding of it, They'll be charging 80 bucks an hour. They'll say, oh, I'd charge 80 bucks an hour. And the next bloke will turn around and say, well, no, hang on. Hey? They want to charge 82. 82 or 85. That's right. They, they put it up, you know, um, and not understand. They don't seem to understand that uh, the majority of them, that it's more important to actually have, um, to look at bringing your prices up to make yourself more profitable than to bring yourself down. But unfortunately, there's this thing in the painting industry that it's, you have to win more work. You have to win more work. The only way to win more work is to drop your price. You know? Well, what you're saying is, is absolutely right because it comes back to the reason why we do what we do. We all have families and we're all people at the end of the day. Even though we run a business and all the rest of it, we, we, we all run a business to satisfy our own personal needs. And yep. it, the, the thing is, is the business becomes so toxic because of these problems of, of uh, you know, cutting prices and, and trying to, uh, what's his name, um, undercut people. And, and, and as you said, you know, everyone is in their own house and they're not worried about their neighbour, but God forbid, you know, old mate that sees me at the paint shops, like, oh, that, that effing guy, you know, blah, 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 getting around, this and that. And it's like, you're worried about everybody else, but then you go home and then you do this literally continually and you just troll people online. Like, instead That's of it. worrying about, like, 
you know, it's um, maybe you should take the time to understand what your costs are, understand how you can better deliver what you need to deliver. And, you know, if I'm charging 80 bucks an hour or 90 or 100 or whatever it is, say, great, he's actually set an, an example. He's getting around in this type of car. Man, I don't hate that guy. I actually, I'm inspired by that guy. I want to become um, you. Do you know, there's this guy, and I got to, as much as I don't like to, there's a, this guy, Daryl Hathaway, right? Uh, now, I seen that guy on a job site like seven years ago. I was doing a quote. And I turned up in painter's whites, overspray all through my hair, and all the rest of it. And this guy, he had leather shoes on. You know, he, he went a little bit too far. As far as, <laughs> you know, he went a little bit too far. Sorry, Daryl. He looks <laughs> He looked sharp. Yeah. He, he did. He looked sharp. Um, and I got to say, I, I looked at that and I went, I looked at myself. I, was like, I didn't I didn't think to myself, that guy's a wanker. I thought, you need to, you need to, he's setting the bar now. Yeah. You need to up your game. You can't turn up looking like this. Because if you turn up looking like this, like it's not, I didn't worry about the industry. I worried about myself. And Instead of me looking at it and be like, F that guy. You know, and if everyone looks at it and goes, F that guy, you know, who does he think he is? He's not better than me. And all, like, all this egotistical crap kicking in. Yeah. And they start to see it as, I need to outdo that guy. I need to be better than that guy. But then it, it's a competitive, it's like sport. It's competitive. Exactly. And that is only going to make things better because all the people that you employ, you're going to start to say, Dude, you got more paint on your shorts than shorts. Get a new pair of shorts. I'm not prepared to pay $35 for a new pair of King G's. Okay, bye. Yep. And then you're raising your standards. All you're doing is raising the standards to where you want to achieve, where you want to be, where you want to. And that's that's a part of, I don't, you know, whether it's, it's any business, you all want to be the best. Well, we should want to be the best and we should want to be the leaders in the industries and we should want to be the, the achieve the ultimate that we can be, not just like you say, and that's probably, you know, putting people down or, you know, that's an unfortunate part of our society. It's easy, easier to put someone down than what it is to look at yourself and say, hey, shit, I wish I was that good. That's and because nature. we're because we're applicators, right? So currently, uh, so this is different to people working on the tools, not running a business. Now, just because you're working on the tools doesn't mean you're running, you're not running a business. But if you're an hourly rate employee, this doesn't apply to you. Okay. Yep. If you're an hourly hourly if you're an hourly rate employee, the only thing you can compare against is the quality of your application and technical knowledge. Nothing else. That's yep. that's your standard. My standard is better than you and my physical appearance and all the rest of it. Okay. Yep. And the tools that I have, that's all inside my control. But if you're a business owner, now there's a, I'm not going to name the business, but there's a business in Brisbane that does over $10 million a year in revenue. Yep. And you probably know the one I'm talking about. Now, you talk to anybody in our region they will say, yeah, every contractor, every painter, yeah, I do crap work, man. Blah, blah, blah. 
right? That's 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 their way of discrediting this business that they do crap work. But how do they do crap work and turn over multi-seven figures, eight-figure business? They don't respect the business acumen to get to that. They want to drag them down to their applicators level, but they're not they're not playing with application. They right. they do application, but they're not playing on that level. They're playing on the business side. And yeah. so you got 10 guys, you're playing in their pond and they dominate you, brother. Yeah. It's not even close. No, 100%. But they, but they want to drag them down instead of being inspired. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, you know, I mean, realistically, and you and I have discussed this a number of times, realistically, the, the painters have to understand that, and the business owners, painters have to understand that they're running a business. They have to forget that they're running a painting business. They have to forget. They just have to know that it's the industry. It's And I use the analogy um, that, you know, a fish and chip or a hamburger joint, right? A hamburger joint. Yeah, yeah, a good business owner in a hamburger joint knows how much it's going to cost to add an extra slice of cheese to make that cheeseburger a cheesier. He knows it's going to cost and how much he needs to add to the price of that extra slice of cheese to, to increase his profits. Because adding that extra slice of cheese could be the difference between him going, making it or breaking it if he doesn't get that price right. Painting's exactly the same. You just have to understand what your piece of cheese is. You know, you've just got to understand if, if X amount of money you're investing into to whether it be your paint, and at the end of the day, your paint shouldn't make any difference because the customer's paying for that and painters continue going on. Oh, paint's too expensive, paint's too expensive. Well, on charge your customer for the paint because they're the ones paying for it. It's on their walls. It's not on, on yours. So that, you know, but look at all your other costs, like, you you know, before we started chatting today, how we said, you know, you've been working today to, to work out how you can drop your price on, on your phones, how you can bring down some costings in other areas within your business. It's, it's what you do. It, it's, if you can well, say, Maccas are the perfect example. McDonald's are the perfect example with how they do that. Well, if you own a hamburger joint, McDonald's is 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 the is is the standard. That's it. Like that's it. Don't 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 say that it's crap food. It's not about the food. No, like, it's about the business. It's about the business, and and like you, you know, contractors can bang on all or as much as they want. It's about the quality. It's about the quality. You can have the best quality in the world, but if you're not making money, you won't be in business to do the quality. Exactly. That's exactly okay. it. That um, is exactly 100% right. So, yeah. Maybe you'll do the quality working for somebody else on $30 an hour. And, exactly. <laughs> and, and, and you'll actually make more money at the end of the week and you don't have to, you can go home on a Friday and not have to think about work or we, all you need is that text for where you need to be Monday morning. It's different strokes for different folks. Now, in, in exactly. no way, shape or form am I saying that it's derogatory or bad to be working on the tools. There's nothing wrong. No, it isn't. It isn't. No. Uh, you know, there's people out there that just want to do their, their, their 6 till 2, 6 till 2.30 or 7 till 3 or whatever it is yep. and go, you know what, that's it. I want to go home, spend time with the kids, mow my lawn, go to the beach, go four-wheel driving. I don't know, go wherever they want to go. They want to there's, do. Nothing, yep. there's nothing wrong with that. No. Um, but there's also nothing wrong with a business owner that's trying to maximise not only his investment, 
in himself and also financial investment into his business. And that in today's world, there's a loss of uh, negative connotations where it's like, he's making more than he should. He's just a painter. Why does that painter get to charge this much per hour? Um, and yeah, it's uh, like I, I, I think it's, it's it's like okay, yeah. Why does a painter? How can how can a painter? And I hear this all the time. You can't charge that much because no one's going to pay it. I hear that every single day. Now I know guys that are out there that are charging hundred bucks an hour. I know guys that are getting one hundred and ten dollars an hour. They're paying their staff 35, 40 bucks an hour, you know, so then, on wages, on wages. They're making good money. You it know, matter um, if they're paying them $10 an hour and the market was able to take it. Exactly. And they've, they've found markets that they can do it. You know, some are doing it with builders. And people don't understand that. People are saying, but how can you, you know, no one's going to pay that money. Well, I can tell you right now, they do. You know yourself, you know, Glenn, you know, at times there'll, there'll be jobs and you'll think, well, how do I make? And you know to the cent of what you make for each job. Yeah. Because you've educated yourself. Because you've, you've educated yourself how to do that. So you know where you're making money, where you're losing money, what staff you make more money out of, what staff you make less money out of, who's more productive, all of, you know, all of those things. And as a business owner, you need to know that. You know, that, that's all the stuff. Otherwise, you, you're not running a business. You, you're just creating yourself a job. That, that is your job. That's, exactly. That's it. I, I'm going to go. I'm busting the toilet. Okay. So. No worries, Glenn. Uh, you go do that, and uh, I'll catch up with you next week. Have a good one. See you, mate. Bye for now. The Aussie Painters Network team would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Painters Podcast. If you have any industry-related topic or would like to just have a chat, Remember, Aussie Painters Network and Painters Training are here for you. Bye for now.